what they'll hear today. And so, Father, as I have decreased simply because you have increased, it is less of me and more of you. My tongue is connected to my spirit, and I speak as I ought to speak today, the oracles of God. And you grant me the ability to do it with simplicity. And so, Father, as always, we'll give you all the glory for all the good that will come out of this service today. In Jesus' name, and everyone that agrees with that prayer, shout it. Amen. Amen. Just love on someone today that's near you. Tell them God bless you however you're led. Uh, shake their hand, but be kind to someone, and then you can be seated. All right, and as you're being seated, uh, we started off several weeks ago. The Spirit of God just kind of dealt with me about ministering on the subject of the Holy Spirit. And what you're finding today, if you turn on television, you know, a lot of different things. You don't hear much about the Holy Spirit. You definitely don't hear a lot about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you definitely don't hear a lot about praying in other tongues. And so the Lord just kind of dealt with me to take the summer to kind of uh, go along these lines. So the first couple of weeks, the only thing we wanted to look at was, was being saved and filled with the Holy Spirit two different experiences? And I think we proved that. If you're a first-time visitor here today, you can go back and listen to those messages. Second week, we wanted to look at what was the initial evidence. What happened when the Holy Spirit was poured out on believers? And we can see that the initial infilling there was the evidence of praying in other tongues. And now on last week, we've started talking about valuing praying in other tongues because we know it's true. If you don't value something, then you won't take care of it, right? If you don't understand why I need to do something, then you probably won't use it for the full benefit that God has uh, it available to you for. And so we're talking about valuing praying in other, other tongues. The goal is to get you to value this so that you will actually use it more in your life. We said on last week that there's more to being filled with the Holy Spirit than speaking in other tongues. If you're a first-time visitor here, all of this outline is on the YouVersion Bible app. You can go to the events section, click on Linked Up Church. That outline will pop right up uh, there for you. You can add your notes to it. I'll give you a lot more today than what's actually on that outline. And so we talked about since speaking in an unknown language is the initial evidence of the infilling of the Holy Spirit according to Acts 2.4, we've already looked at that, then it is an integral part of receiving the Holy Spirit. Speaking in tongues is also an essential part of the believer's devotional prayer life. So all I'm talking about right now is our devotional prayer life. I am not talking about the gifts of the Spirit. We will get, that, get to that later. And what happens is a lot of people confuse all of that. They lump it all in there together, and it gets them extremely confused. Only thing I'm talking about is your devotional prayer life. Say that with me. Say devotional prayer life. Say my devotional prayer life. The Apostle Paul said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. So we're going to look at that today. Paul said, I thank God I speak in tongues. I utter words in tongues more than you all. And he's talking about the entire membership body in the church of Corinth. He said, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than you all. So in writing to the church at Corinth, Paul specifically encouraged Christians to follow the practice of speaking with tongues in their private prayer lives. And then he gave several reasons for it which we're looking at those over the next couple of weeks. Number one, we started off talking about next week is its devotional use. Every born-again believer should have a personal devotional life where they spend time in prayer and the Word of God every day. Thank you for that one amen. And that should consist of at least 15 to 20 minutes in the Word, minimum 15 to 20 minutes in prayer. And you should grow to a place, I'll prove it to you, where you're getting an hour between both of those. One hour between the Word and prayer. No amens on that right there. All right, so we're talking about devotional use. 
Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and I want to read verse 2 out of the New King James Version. And again, this is review, so I'm not going to take a lot of time here. You can go back and listen to last week's message to get more from this. In verse 2, he says, For he who speaks, we learn the word speaks means to talk or utter words, in a tongue does not speak, speak utter words to men, but to God. For no one understands them. However, in the spirit, remember that phrase in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. And we know in the Greek that word mysteries is divine secrets. We looked at Moffat's translation on last week, and it's talking about divine secrets. I don't know if you realize it or not, but God wants to share divine secrets with you that only he knows, and he wants to share things that are going to unlock victories for you in every area of your life. I came to tell you today that if you're struggling in life, it's not because you have to. Because he's given you a way to overcome everything that you're dealing with right now. So now, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2, I want to reiterate. He says, this person is speaking not to men, but to God. So when a person is praying in other tongues, they are not speaking to other people men or other people, other human beings. They are speaking directly to God. I am not talking to people. I am talking to God, okay? So important to understand that. He speaks not unto men, but unto God, all right? Letter A is where we left off on last week. And we talked about, is there any value in speaking divine secrets with God? Is there any value? I answered the question for you all so you wouldn't have to. I mean, that's an emphatic yes right there. There's a whole lot of value in speaking divine secrets with God. Now, go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. That's where we left off at. We're going to go back through these verses again, and then we'll pick up with new information on today. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we know verses 1 through 5, Paul is simply trying to help the church at Corinth understand that there is the wisdom of men and there is the wisdom of God. And what he wanted to do was share his heart. Is that I didn't come to you with enticing words of man's wisdom. I came to you in demonstration of the spirit and of the power. So what he wanted them to know is there's the wisdom of man and then there's the wisdom of God. And anytime you tap into the wisdom of God, how many know the power of God will manifest? How many of y'all believe that today? Anytime I get God's wisdom on something, I also get his power to bring that to pass. Now let's pick it up in verse 6. It says, however, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6, however, we speak wisdom. That word wisdom there is Sophia. It means higher or lower wisdom. So in this context, anytime it's talking about God, it's referring to higher wisdom. Anytime it's talking about man, it's referring to lower wisdom. So it says, however, we speak wisdom among those that are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers, the chief magistrates of this age or this world or this world system who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Same Greek word there. We speak the wisdom of God in a secret. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. So that means before you were ever born, over 2,000 years ago, God put wisdom in the earth called the Word of God, and he hid that wisdom in the Word of God, and the more you discover, how many know the more glory you walk in? Right, so he hid it for your glory. So it's for you to benefit from it, so it's not hidden from you. It's not hidden from you. It's hidden for you. Is everybody clear on that? So the issue is not on God's end. It's on my end. Will I discipline my, myself enough in my prayer life for him to reveal everything I need to know about my situation? All right, let's keep reading. Verse 8, which wisdom, or which wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, verse 8, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, then they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And it's a lot I could say there, but I just want to go by that because I need to get somewhere today. I mean, a lot of times we, we kill off the very thing that he sent to help us. I just leave that alone. A lot I could say right there. 
But as it is written, I have not seen. You all ever heard that story where the guy was out on the ocean, right? And he was stranded out there on the ocean. And he said, Lord, send me help. But he was looking for something spectacular, right? A big old whale to come up out of the water and swallow him up, spit him out on the shore. The helicopter went by. Everybody knows that story, right? Right? And he paid no attention to the helicopter. Several boats went by. Pay no attention. I, I got to get somewhere to this, so I'll make this story short. And then he said, Lord, why didn't you send anything to help me? And, and the Lord said, I sent a helicopter. I sent a boat. Right? A lot of times the answer is right in front of you. It's called the Word of God. And we're running to everything else but that. All right, let's keep going. But God has revealed. The word reveal means to take the cover off to disclose. Now, I want to go real slow. God has revealed. How many know has revealed is past tense? So in the mind of God, he's already given you everything you need to succeed in your situation. You're not waiting on God. God is actually waiting on you. So in his mind, he's already taken the cover off. He's already disclosed the answer and the secrets that you need to have success and victory in your situation. But God has revealed. He's taken the cover off and disclosed them to us. Watch this now. Through his spirit. So I want to be real clear. Your spirit does not know. God's spirit knows. Back up to the verse before that. I don't want to miss that. Verse 9. But as it is written, I has not seen. So that means there's some things. You have, you're, you're living a good life, but you're not living your best life. There's some things that your eye hasn't seen that God has prepared for you. It says, I has not seen nor ear heard. There's some things that your ears have not heard. Neither entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So notice a good God has already prepared everything that you need to be successful and to have victory in this life. And I don't care what it is, job, spouse, healing, all of that's already been provided for you. And then now pick up at verse 10, but God has revealed. Well, what has he revealed to us? He's revealed to us what your eye has not seen, what your ear has not heard, and what hasn't even entered into your heart yet. In his mind, he's already revealed what he's prepared for you because he knows you love him. His heart, his mind, he's already revealed it. But notice it said he's revealed that uh, to us by his what? Spirit. So his spirit knows all the answers. Your spirit doesn't. So if you spend all of your life listening to you, you're not going to get his results. Right? And if we rely simply on what our spirit tells us, our spirit is relying on past experiences that really include trauma, you know, bad experiences, whole lot of stuff we got to work through to believe God if all we do is listen to our spirit. Everybody clear on that? So his spirit or the Holy Spirit is the only way that we could have revealed or the cover taken off or disclosed to us the things that our eyes have not seen, our ears have not heard, or the things that haven't even entered into our hearts yet. The Holy Spirit is the only thing that can reveal that to us. Now, verse 11, or finish with verse 10. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches. That word searches means to seek or investigate all things. Yes, the deep things. That word deep means the extent, the depth, and the mystery. The, the Holy Spirit will investigate everything that God has already prepared for you if you're willing to spend enough time with him. This is really what I want to get across to you. If it came from God, it cannot fail. If it came from you, And it's the Holy Spirit's job to investigate that far, far, far enough so that whatever God blesses you and graces you with, I mean, you know, it's, just, it's supposed to bring you joy and not sorrow. 
The scripture says that the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and it has no sorrow with it. I mean, I'm not going to be in the relationship of my life one year and want to kill him in three years when God's in it. There's no way I'm going to say, look at the car God blessed me with, and then it's being repossessed. See, the Holy Spirit will go deeper than your spirit. If it's just you, it's probably flesh. And some salesman is always going to sell you what you can't afford. It's because they're looking at payments. They're not looking at whether or not you actually have enough in your savings account to sustain it. They're only looking at can you make the payments. All right, everybody still clear? Let's keep going. But God has revealed them. He's taking the cover off through his spirit. For the spirit searches, investigates, seeks all things. Yes, the deep things of God. For what man, human being, or mankind knows the things of man except the spirit of man which is in him? So I want to reiterate, your spirit knows you. Right? How many of you only rely on that? Man, you can have some conversations with yourself that you don't even know what's going on. I mean, if you, we leave ourselves in a room by ourselves and all we listen to is our spirit, I probably would not be pastor in this church if I listened to my spirit. Because your spirit is always saying you can't do it, why waste your time, blah, 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 right or wrong. I mean, his spirit is always saying you're more than a conqueror. You can do all things. You're more than able to take that mountain. Come on, somebody. Right? So your spirit knows you. Then notice what it goes on to say here. So no man, everyone, no man, verse 11, for what man, human being, mankind, knows the things of man except the spirit of man which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God, watch this, except the spirit of God, uppercase S. So notice lowercase s is your spirit, uppercase s is his spirit. So notice the Holy Spirit knows everything about God. So by praying in the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit is able to tell your spirit all about God in your situation. Is everybody clear on that? Remember that because I'm going to go further with that today. So the Holy Spirit knows everything about God, and it's the Holy Spirit's job to reveal to your spirit everything concerning God. Notice here, let's keep reading here. Now we have received not the spirit of the world. That word world there is cosmos. It's talking about this world system or this orderly arrangement of things. But the spirit, uppercase S, who is from God, so that we might know and be aware and understand the things that have been freely given to us by God. So notice, I want to go slow there. We have not received the spirit of this world. I mean, no, everything in this world is diametrically opposed to God. That entire system is opposite of God. That entire system believes that you must sleep with someone and live with them before you get married to recognize whether or not this is a good fit or a good marriage. That is the world's way of doing things. I mean, God's way of doing things is that you will keep yourself, you will flee from fornication, you will run far from it, and you will preserve yourself until marriage, and you will believe and trust that God will send the right person into your life at the right time who will treat you right and love you right all the days of your life. Everybody has a choice to do it the world's way or God's way. The world's way will tell you to finance everything in your house. Finance your furniture, finance your car, get a payment plan, four years, no payments, zero uh, percent, all of that. How I many you know those work so well because 80% of those fail? Most of the people do not end up paying it at the time that they committed to on the zero percent and all the interest. Folks, they're in it to make money. Then all the interest has compiled at the end and you end up paying two to three times more for something than it's worth and now it's valued at the end of the three years 60 to 70 percent less than what you uh, paid for who do you think is winning in that situation that is the world's way God's way says oh no man nothing but to love him and discipline yourself enough to pay cash for everything 
Be patient. Take your time. How many of y'all know you'll enjoy it a lot more? I've driven in cars that I owe money on. I've driven in cars that I owe no money on. I'm telling you which one rides better. For whatever reason it is, the one that I owe no money on, it starts up better. Come on, it drives better, and it just makes me want to lean over to the side because I know God has blessed me to own this, and I owe no man nothing but to love him. The world will tell you, why would you give 10% of your income to that man? Why would you do that? But the world will never tell you, why are you giving 10% of your income to the alcohol? Why are you giving 10% of your income to weed? Come on, somebody. Why are you giving 10% of your income to clothes? They'll never tell you that, right? But they will tell you, why would you ever give 10% of your income to a man? right? That's the wisdom of this world. The wisdom of God knows that you are not giving your resources to a man. You're giving your resources to God. And a wise person understands that everything that I have that's good, it came from God. If I have a job, God is the one that graced me with that job. If I have money, God is the one that blessed me with that money. If I have a car to drive, it is God that blessed me with this car to drive. If I have a business, whatever it is, if I've graduated from college, then God God graced me with a support system so that I can get through college. A wise person knows that every good and perfect gift comes down from above, and the least I could do is honor God with 10 cents on every dollar that he's blessed me with. What man does with that is between that man and God. And God is big enough to deal with that man for the wrongs that he's done, but he's even bigger than that to honor you for your commitment to him and bless you in spite of what people do. You've got to live at a higher level and stop making decisions based off of what people do and make all of your decisions based off of what God said. I need a little better amen in this place today. Verse 13, so these things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches us, see, we just talked about that, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now, we won't go back and look at that, but I mean, know a spiritually mature person will compare everything that they hear to the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, to see if they have peace about it. Right, because they know God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit will never contradict themselves. Right, and so it's really easy to locate people just based off of what God says. Should I make this decision? Well, what does God say about that? The wise person is going to investigate that far enough and then come up with a solid decision. Is this the right time to buy a home? If you don't have a down payment, no. at least 20%. Is this the right time to buy a car? See, they will tell you all day long, zero, zero, zero. That's not what God said. Zero means you walk in, don't have to put nothing down, zero payments for the first whatever, and 0% financing. That's not the issue. The issue is the moment you took that off the lot, it depreciated 20%. So now you've entered into a surety position which means you owe more on the vehicle than it's worth. They're not going to tell you that. moment you drive it off the lot, now you're asking God to bless something that he already told you to never do. Your cousin calls you, and he says, can you co-sign for me on this vehicle? It's real simple. He said, never strike hands for a friend. You know what the word strike hands means? Never be a surety or a guarantor for a friend. Never do that. So my, everybody, all, everybody's called me and asked me to co-sign at one point or another in my family. I just simply tell them, I can't do it. And then they say, why? Because I just want to honor God in that. He told me never to do it. Now, I don't mind helping you, but I'm not co-signing on anything. I mean, you know, more times than not, you're going to get left with the bag. Now, this is going to shock you. I don't co-sign for my own children out of honor and obedience to God. I either buy it for them or they can't have it. 
Then I explain to them why. So that they don't grow up being stupid. <laughs> Come on, I need a little better amen in this place today. All right, everybody clear on all of that? See, it's real easy. So, so you see how you should kind of make every decision? There's man's way of doing something, and then there's God's way. Right? Is this person the right person for me? Right? Are they trying to sleep with you? No. Are they sleeping with you? Probably not. Not right now. Both probably need to get saved. See how quiet it is in this Catholic church? <laughs> Both need a better relationship with God. I would never get married until I first prove I can be faithful to God. Amen. Scripture says that the single person is married to the Lord. I don't know why you all pulling me in this direction. Let me give you some general wisdom. If I can't be faithful to God, what makes you think I'm going to be faithful to you? If God can't keep me, I can't be kept. Oh, but once I put this on him, He ain't going nowhere until somebody else puts something on him. Because you got to remember, it's never really about you in those situations. Somebody's being selfish and only getting what they want from you. Somebody who really loves you wants to give something to you. Somebody who loves themselves takes things from you. All right, how many of y'all glad you came to church today? I just sense that I'm making the devil extremely mad in here right now. And so can we just give God a great big hallelujah in this place? See, I'm, I'm a married man. Makes no sense flirting with somebody that I'm not married to. There's no wisdom in that. See, and a man of character is going to live above reproach. He's never going to live at the level of it. He's going to live above it. That means you can bring an accusation against me, but I promise you, you won't be able to substantiate it. See, and I don't care who it is. I look right in the camera. For the last, since I was 22 years old, you won't find a female that will ever tell you I behaved inappropriately with her. Nowhere. In this building, outside of this building, I don't care where you go, because a man of character is going to live above reproach. So, so watch this. Why waste my time? Why even play with that if I'm not going to do nothing with it anyway? See, a mature person, that's a waste of time. I don't care how good she looks. I don't care what her body looks like. Listen, when you got a Bentley at home, You, you notice Cadillacs, you notice them. You notice other cars. Because how I many you know we're not blind, so, so you see the other car. But when you compare that car to that Bentley that you have at home, I'm going home to the Bentley every single time. All right, let's keep going. So, so I use all of that. I'm sure the Holy Spirit used all of that to help set this up. So these things we also speak. Not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but in which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now, we looked at John 1, 1, John 6, 63, 1 John 5, 7. But the natural, which means sensual man, this is a person that only relies on their five senses. That means if they can't taste it, touch it, smell it, see it, or hear it, they don't believe it. So the natural or the sensual uh, human being does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. As we talked about, it's foolish to not sleep with somebody. Who does that today? What are you talking about, man? Everybody is sleeping with somebody. If you watch videos and listen to music today, that is the perception that you will get. But how many of those people are really happy? How many of them go home lonely? How many of them are sleeping in the bed with people that they know don't care nothing about them and they know they don't care anything about them? I mean, that's a horrible way to live your life. 
right? And so notice, it'll be foolishness to this person. Why? See, again, the giving, all of the rest of the things that we talked about. Notice it says it'll be foolishness to this person. Why? Because they, neither can they know these things because they are spiritually discerned. So this human being will not take the time to investigate, scrutinize, ask questions, and examine these things for themselves. But, all new information from here, but he who is spiritual judges all things. So notice the spiritually mature person is going to take everything and compare it to the Word of God. I mean, that's a spiritually mature person. They're going to take their time, walk away, and make longer decisions. I want to tell you all again, I'm seeing this too much. You don't know somebody after three months. To talk about we're getting ready to get married. It's a shock you. You don't even know them after six months. Don't get mad at me. But people cannot act for a whole year. You give people enough time without your body and you will discover who they really are. Matter of fact, if you're in this room right now, I challenge you to cut the water off today. <laughs> You'll see what kind of relationship you have. <laughs> see, no amens in church. <laughs> Maybe I need to explain what cut the water off means. <laughs> Everybody in here understand what cuts the water off? If you want to see the depth of your relationship, cut the water off. Then you'll see whether it's about you or your body. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Shut that water off. I'm not telling you something I haven't lived myself. We spent three and a half years just being friends without our bodies. And we married on our wedding day, and we slept together that night for the first time. And we've been happily married. It'll be 22 years in November. There is a better way, folks. And after 22 years, I have no desire to cheat on my wife. None. Zero. All right, so the one who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no man because him and God are a majority. So it really doesn't matter what other people are saying about him or her if he's doing what God said. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? This should be your daily confession every single day. But we have the mind of Christ. We have the understanding of Christ. Well, you know what that is? Whatever it is that you have not seen, you have not heard, has not entered into your heart. How many know you can have the mind of Christ about that because it's found in the Word of God? You can have the mind of Christ about your marriage, how to raise children, about jobs, careers. You can have the mind of Christ about every area of your life if you're willing to put enough time in investigating, examining, and searching it out in the Word of God and then praying in the Holy Spirit long enough to he, until he reveals details with you about what it is that he wants you to do. How many of you will follow that mode of operation, you will arrive at your destination every single time. I promise you, if I would have only relied on what I know in my spirit, we could have not built this building. We could not be where we are at today because I don't know enough. I don't have a life, enough life experience. I've never done something like this before in my life. But guess what? God knows all, sees all, believes all, and his spirit is able to reveal to my spirit everything that we need to do along the way, every step we need to make. And I mean, you know, he can take us in five years from nothing to something and give us a building that we can pay cash for the day that we close because he knows how to get you there. 
If you'll take enough time to investigate, examine, scrutinize, pray it out. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 14. Now listen very carefully, and I'm, I'm winding up about, about five more minutes. 1 Corinthians 14, 14 says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, Notice, my spirit, lowercase s. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Everybody see that? Amplified Classic reads that verse this way. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit, by the Holy Spirit within me, prays. But my mind is unproductive, it bears no fruit, and helps nobody. So then if you're understanding what he's saying here, the Holy Spirit is actually helping my spirit pray. Is everybody clear on that? All right, now. So my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me is praying. So remember, the Holy Spirit isn't the one praying. He's helping you pray by giving you the utterance in your spirit. He is not forcing this on you. He is not making you do this. He is not causing you to spit, run around a church, knock chairs over, act all out of control. The Holy Spirit is helping your spirit pray. Is everybody clear on that? So he's giving your spirit the utterance or the manner by which it speaks. So Paul is telling us that God has given us a means whereby our spirit man can pray apart from my understanding. Our understanding doesn't have anything to do with praying in the Spirit. Is everybody clear on this? All right, I'm trying to go slow. Our understanding doesn't have anything to do with praying in the Spirit. You know, for years, people would always ask this question. Well, what good is prayer if you have no idea what you're saying? Have you all ever heard that before? Well, what's the purpose of that? What's the, the whole goal of that if I don't understand what I'm saying? Well, the answer to that is real easy. You're not talking to yourself. You're talking directly to God, spirit to spirit. All right? Now, watch this. Letter B. What does Paul mean by this phrase, in the spirit? Have you all ever heard over the years people say, pray in the spirit? Pray in the Spirit, right? And I've heard that to mean many different things. That means pray the Word of God, right? Others, it meant pray in other tongues. Let's see specifically what Paul was talking about here. What does Paul mean by the phrase in the Spirit? Go with me to Ephesians chapter 6, and let's look at verse 18, the New King James Version. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, New King James Version says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication. What's that phrase there? In the Spirit. Say it with me. What's that phrase? So he said, praying always with all prayer, all manner of prayer and supplication. How? Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and let's look at verse 2 and let's compare verse, both of these verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 2, New King James Version says, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him, watch this, however in the spirit he speaks what? Or divine secrets. So if Ephesians 6 chapter 18, if praying in the spirit, uh, and also in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 2, if praying in the spirit is praying with other tongues, then we have every reason to conclude then that praying in the Spirit in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 is referring to praying in other tongues as well. Is that an accurate statement? How many of y'all can work with that? All right, let's go a little further. Go to 1 Corinthians 14, and let's read verses 14 and 15. 1 Corinthians 14, let's read 14 and 15. So, of course, Ephesians 6.18 says praying in the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 14.2, 2, 
the phrase or the term praying in the spirit was relating to praying in other tongues. 1 Corinthians 14, 14 and 15 says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Well, what is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit, and I will sing with the understanding. Now, you'll notice in verse 15, you'll see the phrase, with the spirit. So most people just pray mental prayers. And tell me if you can identify with this. Mental prayers are just our prayers. Right at the end of the day, Lord, thank you for protecting me all day. Uh, give me sweet sleep through the night in Jesus' name, amen. Right, we wake up in the morning. Thank you for waking me this morning, starting me on my way. Bless and keep me throughout my day in Jesus' name, amen. I mean, most of us only pray mental prayers. Now, let's challenge that a little bit. Most of us pray what's called mental prayers. Let's challenge it. So Paul said he prayed both ways. He said he prayed with the Spirit, and he prayed with the understanding or with his mind. He said he prayed both ways. Amen. Thank you. Now, listen very carefully because this is going to challenge your, your doctrine and theology. Listen very carefully. So if your spirit were praying in English, your mind would understand what you said. Is that an accurate statement? If your spirit were praying in English, then your mind would understand what you said. Therefore, your mind wouldn't be unfruitful. Is that accurate? Did I say anything wrong? All right, watch this. I'm challenging you. So he's plainly then talking about praying in other tongues in Ephesians chapter 6. Let's think about it a little further because I can see the looks on your face. So Paul wrote both letters, one to the Corinthians and one to the Ephesians. In both letters, he uses the phrase in the spirit. In 1 Corinthians 14, 15, he uses with the Spirit. So as we follow Paul's writings, you'll find wherever he uses these terms, you'll see praying in other tongues or implying it based off of previous writings. Is that an accurate statement? All right, let's challenge this a little further. Go back to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, and let's read that again. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 says, Pray with all prayer and supplication. How? In the Spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now, all saints. All saints. There's no way we could pray for all saints because we don't know all saints. Unless he's talking about a way to do this where we don't have to know everybody's name. It's praying in the Spirit. Let me give you an example of this. How many of you know I cannot know everything that's going on with my daughter while she's away at college? So what I do is I get up every single day and I cover her in prayer because there's no way I can see everything she's doing, and I certainly can't see everything everyone might be plotting against her. And so I pray for my daughter in the Spirit that the Holy Spirit is covering everything that concerns her, and she gets through her day successfully. All right, I'll go a little further with this. So God then has provided us a means of supernatural communication apart from my understanding to do that. I am a pastor. There are over 4,000 members in this church. I do not know everyone's name. There's no way I can call out everyone's name in prayer and pray over this congregation successfully every day unless he gave me a means outside of English. So I cover this congregation every single day by what I understand, 
and I pray scriptures and I pray the word according to what I understand, but there's too much going on in your life, too much happening in your life for me to know everything, so I must enter into something greater and deeper than myself to cover 4,000 people at one time. Is everybody clear on that? All right. So see, we've got to stop for a minute, and can we just rejoice and thank God for this ability to pray in other tongues? Can we just, it's a wonderful gift if you use it properly. Now let's close here. We need both kinds of prayer. These will be my last verses for today. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 15 through 19. Now listen to everything I just said as we wrap this up, okay? Because it all makes sense right here. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 15 says, what is the conclusion then? And remember we're talking about our private prayer life, our devotional prayer life. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, listen very carefully, and I will also pray with the understanding, my mind, mental. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. Listen very carefully. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, clearly has to be talking about tongues here, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks since he does not understand what you say? Because remember, when you're praying in other tongues, you're not talking to men, you're talking to God. So now he just gave you some balance about how to use this and how not to use it. How many know we should not be praying in tongues in rooms where people who are not saved are present? Including church rooms. I'm going to prove that in a moment. Come on, we've all been there, right? You ever been in one of those uh, birthday parties or something and, and somebody in the family asks your auntie to pray? And she getting ready to put on a show, right? Oh, glory. Quickening and all of this stuff, right? And you got unsaved cousins, family members, loved ones here. How I many know nobody can say amen at that prayer? Because all she's really trying to do is try to show how deep she is. She's not helping anybody else. God forbid you're at work. And they ask you to pray. Come on, some of y'all know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, nobody on the job that's not saved wants that kind of salvation. Now, I'm getting ready to prove it to you. I don't know how we missed all of this. I don't know how we missed it because it's right in the book. Just keep reading here. So otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, remember that phrase with the Spirit, right? It's got to be referring to praying in other tongues. I'll prove it. So if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen? It's your giving of thanks since he does not understand what you say. Right? How come he can't understand it? Because you're praying in tongues. Let's keep reading here. For you indeed give thanks well. So, so that was great for you to pray in tongues for your benefit. That was good for you. Watch this. But the other, the church, is not edified. So he's telling you, folks, me speaking five words in English is better for you than me speaking in tongues in a church service. He's telling you in a church service, now when we get over into the gifts, that's something different because we should never do it unless there's someone there to interpret it. But as a personal prayer time, how I many you know in the church, if there's anyone around you who is unlearned, stop that. Pray in English. Now, if we're having corporate prayer and we've called all the believers together, and we're going to pray for hours, then how many know we can exercise that? 
But on a Sunday morning, it's probably not wisdom. Let's keep reading here. So, amen. Giving of thanks, seeing he does not understand what you say. For indeed, you give thanks well, or pray in tongues well, so you're, you're benefiting from it, but the other is not edified. Then he said, clearly he's got to be talking about this. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. So he's, what is he talking about here? Tongues, is he? Talking about praying in other tongues. He said, I thank God I, I do this more than all of you. But in the church, I'd rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. So notice, for your personal prayer life, you benefit from that. And we're going to continue to dig further about how you benefit from that. I like to use this illustration uh, when explaining this. You know, when I was a kid growing up, we used to do wheelies on bikes. Uh, and so I was a part of a, a bike club called the Schwinn Flins. And we would literally, somebody here know what I'm talking about? Somebody here know what I'm talking about? All right, anyway, y'all know what I'm talking about. Anyway, you lift the bike up and you ride on one wheel, right? And I'm talking about it's like 40 of us. And literally, people would stop cars. Everybody would stop to watch us do this. We'd lift that bike up and, man, just ride it, right, on one wheel. And traffic would stop, all kind of stuff. But I mean, if I tried to race someone on two wheels, right, I might look cool. I might look sweet up on my one wheel. But I mean, you know, those two wheels are going to prepare him further and he's going to get faster results than me just riding on my one wheel. So all Paul is simply saying here, you need both. You need to know how to pray with your understanding, but you need to know how to pray in the spirit also. Why? It's going to get you further, and it's going to propel you further, and you're going to get to your desired result faster because he's going to give you supernatural results. Just you. You look good, but the only thing you're doing is what you can do. Once you put that wheel down and you get to praying in another tongue, how I many of you are getting ready to move a little faster, get there a little quicker, and get results that you couldn't get on that one wheel when you use both wheels? Did you all get anything out of this today? All right. How I many of y'all believe you have a little better understanding of that now? in my personal prayer life, okay? Let's all just stand to our feet and let's just take 30 seconds and I just want you to pray in other tongues, just right where you're standing, quietly though.